Wow, that was awesome. I can't sing, so that was really awesome. Robin, I bet that was fun for Mariana. You know, I wonder what that was like for her in there. Mariana will be here in one month, so uh, to have the wind to sing blows me away. Take your Bibles out with me, please, and turn them to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Man, that was terrific. Hey, you guys, uh, I want to just give you a little word of advice while I'm here. Last night, I, I got to go hang out with our youth group. I've got two kids in our youth group, and so I went to, to the Bass home, Tori and Amy's house, and we had our youth group Christmas party. It was a lot of fun, but uh, one suggestion that I'm bringing, do not play tennis with McKenna Hawkins. She is good, and she's dangerous. She hit me in the face with a tennis ball. So, McKenna, we're even. All right. Hey, no joke. She really is good at tennis, and I really am glad that you're here. I hope your Bibles are open by now to John chapter 13. My job during Advent is to keep pointing our attention back towards Jesus, to remind us as we're gathering that the real hope, the real love, the real joy, the real peace comes from Christ Jesus. And so today, we're going to learn to love again. And I want you to look with me in one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, one of my favorite places to preach, John chapter 13. Let's read it together. If you will, in honor of the word of the Lord, let's stand as we read verse 1, and then I'll pray for us. This is a sermon to show every one of us what love looks like. Here we go. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is the last night of the life of Jesus and his last act is going to be sacrificial love. Let's pray. Father, as we study what it was for Christ Jesus to love his disciples to the very end, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would equip us, Lord, to love to the very end. That you would grant us a supernatural love that can forgive, Lord, that can be patient and kind and not boast, that can allow us to put ourselves aside and love and serve our wives, our kids, our friends, our church, our city. So Lord, today we open our hearts to you and we ask that you would teach us to love with them. We ask that you would empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to read this passage for you because I think this is the very best example in the Bible of what love looks like. The last night of the life of Jesus. What would you do on your last night? If you knew that you only had one more day on the earth, what would you do? Would you go out for one more good time? Would you uh, watch a pre-recorded uh, Alabama championship and see your, your Crimson Tide win one more championship, your last one of your lifetime? What would you do? How would you spend that last night of your life? Would you go out and order a steak dinner? What would you do? Well, what Jesus chose to do was to teach the entire world how to love each other. And it turns out that if we'll pay attention for the next 20 minutes or so, we can walk out ready to love and serve a world that needs us badly. You know, in the letter of John, not the gospel, but in the letter of 1 John, John tells us that this is love, not that you and I loved God, but that God sent his son Jesus to die for us and to become an atoning sacrifice for our sin. See, when, when you and I loved God, that was just gratitude. Jesus had already done the sacrificial work to come to us first. 
And if you want the real pattern for love, according to the letter that John wrote, the real pattern for love, it's not our response to the Lord. I had goosebumps while our choir was singing about the king coming. I'm just a sap. I'm a sucker for, for people raising boys because they got three kids. I, I cry at movies like Secondhand Lines, and I am a sap for King Jesus. I love him. And as, we were, as you were singing, man, I, was, I, was I had goosebumps, literally. But it's not real love if you watch me get goosebumps at Jesus. If you want to see the real model for love, watch that he came to save me. That he chose to come and sacrifice for me. Uh, I, I've got every reason to be grateful for him. My motivations, oh, they're a million for my gratitude and love for him. But why did he come from the cross? Simple, pure love. Let's read about John 13 and see if you and I can walk out ready to love people. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress. This is the one we call the Last Supper. It was a Passover feast. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Well, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. And he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. I'll translate that for you. Tomorrow, when you see me on a cross, you'll understand that cleansing your feet was just a foreshadowing. That the humility that I need today to wash your dirty feet, it's nothing compared to what it's going to take tomorrow when I cleanse your soul. Peter, you've got to get used to this. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, well, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And so then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, okay, not just my feet, but my, my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet and their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. Well, when he had finished washing their feet, he, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them, and you will be. Listen, loving people is not easy. The humility and sacrifice required to really love people, especially those of us who are harder to love, it's not easy. But you will be blessed if you live this Jesus-shaped life. 
Verse 18, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am, he, that I am who I am. Well, very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And after he said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit, and he testified. Very true, I tell you. One of you is going to betray me. His disciples, they stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to the disciple and, and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus had said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. And when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Everybody listen to this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. And Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This is a chapter that teaches us how to be Christians. Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. And so as we celebrate the Advent season and we think about Mary and Joseph and Christ Jesus, Emmanuel, coming to us as a baby, one of the things that he was destined to do is he was destined to redefine love for his people so that he could create a body of believers who are capable of loving one another radically well the way that he loved us. But if we're going to do that, we have to make a decision that we will follow in the footsteps of Jesus. 
that we'll obey God in this, that we'll let the Holy Spirit teach us to love, to transform prideful, selfish, hard hearts into loving, soft hearts that are willing to forgive an offense. We can find a thousand excuses to not love someone who's hard to love, to not forgive one more time, to not go the extra mile, to not turn the extra che- other cheek. But in this passage, I want to teach us three things about love that I think could and should equip us to love one another very, very well. So let's give it a shot. First thing I want you to see is this. Jesus loved Judas. And for that matter, Peter. A couple of passages, verses in this passage that pop out to me. Well, first of all, verse 2. In verse 2, and the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. You flip over to verse 18. I'm not referring to all of you, for I know those I have chosen. This is to fill the passage of Scripture. The one who shared my bread has turned against me. Listen to me. How powerful is it that when Jesus was washing feet, when he was humiliating himself, acting like a servant, and going around to wash the dirty feet of his 12 disciples, he intentionally chose to wash Jesus' feet. He's better than me because I would have come to Jesus. I said, no, uh-uh. I'd have gone to the next guy. But Jesus chose as the last time that he would be with Judas, Judas was loved by Jesus. His feet massaged by the hands of Christ, intimately touching his dirty toes. Jesus, knowing, knowing that the broken bread represented his body that would be wasted in the mouth of Judas, offers it to Judas the same as he offered it to everybody else at the table. It's powerful for me to think that Jesus freely gave his love to all 12 of those disciples. Now, one of them did not reciprocate it, Judas, but he gave it to all. And before you and I throw stones at Judas, I do think it's powerful that the passage ends with Peter, who fully intended to love Jesus and was not going out that night to sell him into the hands of the Romans. But this chapter ends with Jesus looking at Peter and saying, Hey, bud, I know you have really good intentions, and I know you're not going to turn me into the Romans, but you are going to betray me three times. You're going to deny that you even know me tonight. And I look at you and I, and I think this is important. Everybody listen to me. God's love, it is not earned, it is freely given. He loved all 12 of those men. He loved Peter who would deny him. He loved Judas who would betray him. He loved freely. And the same is true for you and me. Like, Jesus loves you tremendously. But it's not because you've been really, really good. It's not because you're so religious or devoted or because of all the good things you do and the bad things you don't do. Jesus is offering you his love, unfiltered, unhindered, because he gives it. He even gives it to traitors, and he gives it to people that can't follow through as well as they wish they could. He gives it to people like Peter who stumble on the way. He gives it to people like Judas who totally bails out. Jesus gives his love to you. It's a free gift. It is not earned. And that teaches me. That if I'm going to love the way Jesus loved me, that I'm not going to be just giving that love to the people who earn it or people that I think deserved it. I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to love all my neighbors. If you and I are going to love like Jesus, we're going to have to love a few Judases along the way. 
are you willing to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? Because I'll tell you this, you give people a lot of gifts this Christmas, right? Somebody may get a new bike. Somebody may get new technology. Somebody may get a new set of golf clubs, fishing baits. These are all great ideas. I'm just, if you're looking for something. But the greatest gift you're going to give anybody in your family is that you begin to love them the way that Jesus loves them. Kids loving their moms and dads. Parents loving their families. Like loving neighbors, loving strangers. And I know for, honestly, I, I get it. I know that for most of us, that's going to take a step. It's not natural. That's why this is Jesus. That's why we're trying to learn from him, right? All right, the second thing I think we learn from this passage when we watch Jesus wash the disciples' feet is this. I, I kind of like this. If you want to take notes, you write the second thing down. I sort of like it. Love does dirty work. Like, really, love does dirty work. So Jesus literally took a bowl and filled it with water. He took off his outer garments and wrapped himself with a towel. Basically, the God of all creation just dressed himself like a very low-class servant. And then he walked around and washed the disciples' feet. And then when he's done with it, he looks at them and says, all right, now that's your example. Go do it. The way I've loved on you guys, get out there and love some folks. Now, we kind of misunderstand, I think, what he meant. We, we have foot washing ceremonies. Has anybody ever washed your feet? Have y'all, I mean, a few of you have. Has anybody ever been in a scenario, a few hands going up? You, like at a youth retreat or married couples, like on their, you know, for, you know, for some kind of like a wedding ceremony, I've seen that. Um, I've seen people do like a Christian foot washing ceremony. What we're saying is, I'm going to love you. Like Jesus, like, well, here's the deal. Jesus didn't wash our feet so that we'd go around washing each other's feet. Like that's a custom that really has very little relevance in our culture anymore. Nobody's walking around barefooted, sandaled, unless you're at the beach, right? And then it's just all that nasty, gritty sand that you're going to walk into the condo and we're going to track around all week. But in our culture, like foot washing is not the next dirty job that anybody needs, right? The point, the point of Jesus washing feet is that you would humble yourself and that nothing would be beneath you, Right? That, that, you, that you would be the one that stops and cleans up the mess. That you would adjust your calendar and be the one that, hey man, I'm sorry about your car accident, let me give you a ride. That you would be the one that says, I had a very busy schedule, but I'm, gonna st I'm, I'm fixing to cancel some stuff for you. That you would be the husband that takes out the trash. God bless us all. That you would do the dirty work. Because I think the point of this is that Jesus is not just telling his disciples, hey, I love you guys, right? Jesus is willing to humble himself, put himself second. And Jesus is willing to do something that is really hard to do because it's very humbling. Like it's kind of shameful. It's, honestly, it's dirty. Nobody wants to do it. But this is what love looks like, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. Like, this is what love looks like, that it would turn into an action. And some of those actions are going to be simple, small things, as simple as Washing the dirty feet of the guys that just showed up at your house, doing an extra load of laundry, going out of your way to cancel a plant. Like, this is what love looks like. It's sacrifice. It's service. So Jesus is washing their feet. Now, here's the deal. If you're, if you're reading the Bible carefully and you get into this little episode where Peter's like, well, then wash all of me. And Jesus says, you're missing the point. Come on. Really what this foreshadows, he's cleansing their feet in humility with water foreshadowing that tomorrow on the cross he'll be a thousand times more humble 
while he's beaten and broken and battered and mocked and laid naked on a cross for everyone to mock, right? Wearing a crown of thorns and a, and, a, and a title that's making fun of him. Roman soldiers boasting around him. He is going to cleanse their souls the next day. And if you think that this was humbling, watching Jesus put on a towel and wash your feet, oh, you just wait till tomorrow when he really cleanses us. So when you and I are trying to translate, well, what does it look like for him to say, so now I've set an example, go love each other. And he looks at Peter and says, you don't understand what's happening right now, but you will soon, a.k.a. tomorrow you'll, you'll get this. What's he telling us? He's telling us that if love means that we've got to roll up our sleeves and get dirty for each other, then we should do it. Right? That there's no, that there's no level we say, I'm not doing that, I'm above that. All right, so love does dirty work. Third thing I want to pass on to you, and this is something we cannot miss, is that love defines disciples. Like Jesus told them in verse 34 and 35, he's like, this is how people are going to know. Like from this point forward, this is how people are going to know that you're my disciples, that you're going to love each other. Which means, like, let's think about this. This means we can't be loving the same way the world loves. Like in other words, we can't go around and love lovable people and then not love Judas and Peter or the people that let us down or are hard to love. Because if we do that, then we look just like the rest of the world. Nobody's going to go, wow, what makes you keep loving people that way? Man, I just admire how big your heart is for humanity. What makes you like that? No, no. See, if you and I just love people when they're lovable, we're just like everybody else. We're not distinct. But love defines disciples of Jesus. Which means if there's one character trait of Christ that all of us are supposed to be catching on to day by day, it's this one. We're supposed to love people in a way that makes somebody look up and say, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. You follow that guy that died on the cross for us. You follow that guy that would wash feet and touch lepers. I get it. I understand why somebody would love the way you do. You follow him. Love defines disciples, and this is what that means for us. If love defines disciples of Jesus, then as we celebrate Christmas, and we imagine Christ Jesus coming to the earth to redeem us. And we remember what happened in that manger. And you and I have read the whole story so we know where it ends with the cross and the empty tomb. As we come to worship Jesus and to let our lives be defined by the kind of love that he patterned for us, well then you and I have to make a decision. We have to choose that we are willing to love this way. We have to choose, make a decision that our love is not going to be stopped by excuses or roadblocks. That if you insult me one day or offend my pride, that's not going to be enough to make me stop loving you. We have to be willing to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So today as we celebrate Advent, we're talking, about, we're talking about love. Love that looks like Jesus. And this is my favorite chapter in the Bible to show you what love really looks like. It looks like a million small decisions where you humble yourself and serve somebody else. Listen to me. And you don't have to feel like it to decide to do it. So I'm asking you today, will you make a decision to radically follow King Jesus Christ in a path of love? Like as we worship today, as we wrap up this service, will you give your life to following Jesus? Now for some of you, if you've never given your life to Jesus to begin with, you watched baptism for Christine, for Chelsea. And as you sit here today, you know that you, you're not saved. You haven't 
You haven't given your life to Jesus. Maybe for you, this is the day that you give your life to Jesus. But probably for a lot of us who are believers that have been walking with Christ for a long time, what we needed today was just for the Holy Spirit to nudge us to remember how important it is for us to love each other again, to love our neighbor, to love our enemy. So I'm calling you today to make a decision that you will say yes to loving like Jesus, that you will take up your towel and that you will love like Jesus loved us. Let's pray together. Father, it's my pleasure to read your scripture with my sisters and my brothers. And today I ask for your blessing. God, as we search our hearts and as we make commitments to walk with you, I pray that you would grant us the strength to carry this out. From the youngest children, Lord, to the matriarchs and patriarchs of our church, I ask you, Father, that you would equip us to love like Jesus loved. Thank you for teaching us. So, Lord, if there's anybody here today who's making a decision to give their life to you for the first time, to commit their, their lives to you, to surrender control to you, to be saved, to be born again, God, I thank you for redeeming them. And I pray you grant them the courage to just say yes to Jesus. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's respond. Let's take a moment to pray and make our decisions. The altars will be open. I'll be down front if you need to speak with me. But let's respond.